Hey everyone, welcome to Fire the Canon. We're the podcast where usually we're reading the books in the Western canon and deciding if they belong or not. But this is one of our special episodes in two ways. One, we have a guest who I'll introduce in a minute because I haven't even introduced the host yet. Sorry about that. But two, instead of covering a book <laughs> this time, we are covering not one, but two movies based on a book. Those movies, Dune. Dune and Dune. Yeah, so that's what we're doing this episode. And I'm one of your hosts, Rachel. I'm the other host, Jackie. I'm the producer, Theo. And? And? I'm the guest, Jess. Jess hey. the guest. <laughs> it's Jess Owens, back again. This is our second official episode with Jess, and then this is also our third time chatting with her as a group because she was part of our watch party last week, which was so freaking fun. Yes. Um, thank you to all of you yeah. who made it. Jess woke up at the ungodly hour of, what was it, four, two, two, three, four in the morning? I think it was two. To almost five in the morning she spent with us mm-hmm. because she's in Italy and we're not. So that was super nice of her and we had a great time. It was worth it. To wake up in the middle of the night and watch that nightmarish movie. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't go back to sleep. <laughs> I figured. And then the sun comes up and you're just like, well, shit, I just have to like do a whole day of like life now after doing that. <laughs> Haven't slept since. <laughs> so we're super glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you. Um, the two movies are extraordinarily different. So I think we're just going to talk talk about that difference about as different as two movies can be when they're based on the same source material (laughs) (laughs) so when did you see the the 2021 version Jess um I watched it on Sunday so just a couple days ago from the comfort of my own home via HBO Max thank you not a sponsor (laughs) did you also do it at two in the morning to get the full comparison experience I mean you have to make sure it's (laughs) I should have I probably would have enjoyed it more had I done that but I did it at a reasonable hour because Andrew had to go to work the next morning. Andrew. So I was like, fine, we'll watch it at 6 p.m. Gosh. Typical <laughs> <laughs> job havers. I know. He ruined Typical. everything. Should have watched it at 2 in the morning with 14 people talking over you. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> Before we get too into the movies, though, I wanted to say for the audience's benefit, Jess released a video on her YouTube channel that's like a spoiler-free Dune book review. And we have also done a couple Dune episodes. We did one that is just pure spoilers. It's just us kind of walking (laughs) you through the plot. That one's called Our Friends the Worms. I would call it a plot summary, but Rachel calls it pure spoilers, like it's some kind of weird drug. (laughs) Pure uncut spoilers. (laughs) And uh, we also did an episode, Little Miss Livermush, with our friend Jack Morgan, where we, we did some Dune analysis. I'll admit it, we did. But also we talked about his baby a lot. (laughs) So if you guys would like to brush up on your book knowledge, you've got three different ways to do that. This episode, we will have spoilers for the book and for both movies. So turn it off now if you don't want to hear about any of that. I don't know why you would listen to this episode if you were afraid of spoilers, but... uh. Just set your volume on zero and play through the whole thing, though, because we still want to listen. Oh, yes, for our analytics. No, we're fine. We've already got your click. Bye. Have a good one. No, no. (laughs) All right. Like Jackie said, we did uh, like a virtual watch party. I think we had like a little over a dozen people. It was really fun. It was a good Made a few comments. Most of the people were typing things. There were a lot of good jokes in there that I kind of wish I could steal for this episode, but I can't because everyone else here would know where I got them. <laughs> Theo, you want to talk about your experience with the 2021 movie? Yeah. Did you watch it? I'm a little worried that you didn't. <laughs> I No, I did okay. on Sunday. Okay. My overall experience with it was 
I didn't realize that they were separating the book into two different movies. Uh-huh. I also didn't realize that until I saw it. <laughs> Going into the movie, I was hungry. And then I was getting very hungry towards the end. And I was getting so annoyed thinking that I still had like half of a movie left of stuff to watch. I was You thought the movie hours. was going to be like six hours long. <laughs> I was thinking, I, I guess this has only been going on for like an hour, but it feels like forever. I had a similar experience, except that I'm trying to think where I thought. Because like once I realized it was not going to be the full movie, I was like, okay, this has been too long. There's no way they're going to get through everything. I was like, okay, where are they going to stop? Because I had to pee and I was like, I'm in the movie theater. I really don't want to get up and like miss a part because I can't just like rewind it. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be any second now. Any second. Nope. All right. (laughs) Okay. And it took so long that like when I finally did leave, I was just like, well, I'm so glad that there's no freaking water in this movie because that would have made it worse. (laughs) So Dune's the perfect thing for that, I guess. A little bit of spoiler. So it was the part where uh, everyone's been warned. Go ahead. (laughs) It was the part where Paul is about to fight Jameis. And I was like, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm just going to miss the Jameis fight. I was out for a couple minutes, came back. He still hadn't fought him. They were still like circling (laughs) each other in a circle, like little sharks. And I was like, oh my God. Well, I'm glad I didn't miss anything. I mean, the thing is the point where they stop in that movie in the narrative, that's the same point in the David Lynch version where it just starts going. It goes bonkers. Hyper speed, just yeah. way too fast, just totally incoherent. So I thought that maybe that was going to happen again. <laughs> um, so I also watched it on HBO. We were visiting some friends in Atlanta. So my friend Suman's husband had gone out with a friend to go to the like World Series game. And so it was me, Suman, Nikita, and Steven. The four of us were watching it. And Suman was very confused. And so was Nikita because they hadn't read the book. So they were asking, I have no problem with like pausing a movie to talk about it. And also some of my sisters are always confused when we watch movies. So I'm used to people being like, who is this? What's going on? <laughs> and like, it doesn't bother me at all. So so I would like pause it and explain some stuff. I would pause it and explain that you need to leave because <laughs> you're bothering me. <laughs> wow. Weird. We're so different. We also in the middle, we took like an hour and a half break because Nikita's going to, she's going to like business school at NYU or whatever. And I was talking to her and Suman about the podcast <laughs> and like getting a bunch of feedback and business advice. So <laughs> there, it was like a very long experience and Steven got so mad. He like angrily went up to bed and I'm like, no, 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 come back, come back. We'll restart the movie. So we restarted the movie. And then last night he was like watching the movie downstairs. I'm doing NaNoWriMo this month. And the most comfortable place for me to write in the house is there's like an armchair downstairs, like off the living room. And so I went down there to write. He had all the light off downstairs and I heard like a sound and it was him in the darkness just slurping up ramen and he had his giant noise canceling headphones on all the lights were off he was watching Dune and I turned on a light to get something and he's like can you turn that off when you're done I said yeah sure but like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be writing for the next hour or so he's like uh no can you do it somewhere else like you can't be down here I'm trying to have an immersive theater going experience was he serious yeah I was, and I laughed I'm like ha 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 very funny he's like no I'm serious like you can't be down here an immersive theater going experience in which you're slurping ramen well he had noise canceling headphones so he wouldn't hear his slurping I call bullshit on that Steven sorry when I told him what we were doing today recording it I was like gonna watch Dune again tonight? And he goes, maybe. And I said, oh, ha ha. 
like very funny. Are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I might watch it again tonight. <laughs> Wait, what? It would be the third time he's watched it? In like four days. Yeah. Wow. I really liked it. I said I would watch it immediately after I finished it. And then Rachel was like, oh, ha ha. Someone stole your phone. Rachel just never believes anyone when they say they like this movie. <laughs> yeah. So I would say uh, the biggest difference between the 2021 version by Denis Villeneuve is that a fine way to say it? I'm sure it's not 100%. I think it's Villeneuve, something like that. The biggest difference between that and David Lynch's movie is that, well, David Lynch is really easy to pronounce, but also David Lynch's movie is fucking disgusting. <laughs> He's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big difference. <laughs> so bad. Oh, it made my stomach hurt. Uh, so I don't watch, you know, horror or like torture porn stuff. So this is like <laughs> oh the most disgusting thing I have ever seen. And I know there are more disgusting things out there, but like I purposely stay away. I did not realize how gross the David Lynch movie was going to be. Did you just say you don't watch torture porn as though that's like a normal thing? Some people <laughs> like Saw. Jackie, is. a lot of people not anybody watch on this podcast. Saw is torture porn and it's very popular. Like that's the subgenre. It's porn? Well, that's just what they call it. I don't really want to talk about this, but. <laughs> it's not about sex. It's like if you say something is food porn. Porn. There aren't naked people doing it, and then they're eating burgers. But sometimes there are. Well, that, yeah, that probably also exists, but yeah. it just means that it's like gratuitous. Okay, I get it. Okay, um, I kept saying this when we had our watch party, but I was watching Jess's face a lot because Jess's facial expressions when things that were gross happened were so entertaining. Oh, Jess, what God. was your what was your overall experience? <laughs> Of the 1984. 84, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it was, a, it was a wild ride. Obviously, my face said it all. But yeah, I just like, when people were saying it was bad, I was like, I mean, how bad could it be? You know, like, of course, the 1980s, I'm going to take that into account. You know, special effects, CGI was not great and whatever. But my God, <laughs> it was atrocious. Just everything, every character, the lips. They were painful to look at. So chapped looking, the face, the the barren. Oh, it was. It's dry on Arrakis, Jess. Come on. I understand, but no one had Vaseline. <laughs> they didn't have Aquaphor on Arrakis. <laughs> and I'm glad they changed a lot of that in the 2021, like with the the Mintots, the Mintats, because it was them who had like the really chapped looking lips, and they just did the little yeah. line or whatever. I think in the 2021, I was like, thank you, Jesus. The Baron. I mean, he still looked ridiculous. And I don't know why that actor is always has on the most, you know, ridiculous looking things. But at least the the, the acne was not there. Ugh. Those postules. Could you oh, call God. that acne? That was like Maybe not. It was, boils. Maybe it was, it was gigantic. Yes boils yeah it was oh my god you know there are people who have skin conditions people have cystic acne that was not cystic acne yeah there's no skin condition a person has that looks like what the baron had in the 1980s no it <laughs> no. was like biblical level it was mm -hmm. disgusting oh yeah that was like a plague of some sort for sure should we like briefly state like the big differences. So, so the baron right in in 2021 dune he floats because he has like these gravity you know, anti-gravity things that he wears. And I thought kind of when I saw him floating, I was honestly like, this is kind of silly. He looks like a Halloween like ghost decoration. That's just kind of like flying, sliding around. Theo, did you love that? that? What do you mean? The Baron floating. That was your favorite part of the book. You were like obsessed with the idea of these anti-gravity belts. This is not how I imagined it. So no, I did not love that. <laughs> I think obsessed is a, a little bit strong. <laughs> he kept saying like, I really love this. I love the idea of this. Yeah, I edited out like 20 minutes of me talking about how much I love the anti-gravity belts. It was unbearable. If I had designed his character, I would not have given him that like extended like 
silken robe or whatever. He right. Had. That was the thing that made him look like a Halloween decoration. It's not just that he floated. It's that they made his robe so very long that it looked like he was maybe like 80 <laughs> feet tall or something. <laughs> yeah. Everything about him is so awful. Like I said, he's better in the 2021, but, but like that whole... I don't know. It looked like motor oil or whatever they put him in after oh, yeah. the dinner parties. I was like, oh. <sighs> everything about him is gross. But I don't know. The 2021 looked beautiful, except for the ugly people. Like all the Harkonnen <laughs> yes. people just all were ugly. But still, I think great yeah. cinematography. Like, Oh, yeah. 10 out of 10. I was thinking when the Baron was in that vat, it was just making me think of Hot Pot. And I was like, oh, gosh, I would hate to find him in my Hot Pot. <laughs> I was thinking, please don't let the Baron be in there. Please don't let the Baron be in there. And it came up. I'm like, ah, of course he's in there. Come on. What's going to come out of there? Something cute? Of course not. (laughs) It is, I think, the big difference. And I've said this multiple times because I think it's the perfect description is the tweet I saw that I sent Jackie that said, like, David Lynch read Dune and was like, what if every single person in this book was a sick, repulsive freak? And that's the main difference between the book and the 80s movie. (laughs) The pug was great. We loved the pug. Best character. (laughs) The tweet actually said, like, why would anyone make Dune, like, full of everyone being, like, a sick, repulsive freak? And then it said, like, I guess that's why he's David Lynch and I'm not. <laughs> like that's like that. Yeah, it's just so obviously the wrong director to make that movie if they wanted it to be successful. You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you think about Kyle MacLachlan? Because I love Kyle MacLachlan, um, and I thought he wasn't yeah. a terrible choice for this. Although he definitely didn't look anything like he was fifteen. Like he still looked like an FBI agent. <laughs> he was just yeah. like early Twin Peaks, right there. I thought he and Jessica did an okay job in the '80s movie. Yeah, I guess so. But he definitely was looked older. Timmy Chevrolet to me looks fifteen. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, perfect. <laughs> to me, Chevrolet is like what we have to say if we're not allowed to use brand names or something. <laughs> yeah. So just in terms of organization for this episode, I think the best thing would be to kind of if we mostly focus on the 80s and then mostly focus on the 2021. And like if we want to bring up comparisons between the two, that's fine. I think it might be less confusing yeah, I'm trying to try, try to, to do, do it like that because so. <laughs> I think we need to describe what the differences are because I don't think most people have seen the 84 version yeah so let's let's try to kind of talk about the 84 or compare that to the book first which okay. I think the main thing is that they put the whole book in one movie like two <laughs> hours right or a little under two mm-hmm. hours something like that yeah and the first like hour and 30 minutes was paced pretty normally and the last 30 minutes was like you know imagine if you just uh close your eyes real tight spin around super fast drink some kerosene while kissing your true love yeah and then like open your eyes and like that's how fast it went (laughs) it was like multiple times it was like paul and cheney kissing while the scene was spinning around them and the narrator was just like okay it's been two years paul's a dad now (laughs) what happened it would go like yeah he's the leader of the fremen okay let's move on honestly it's just like jack morgan's glow up like wait i turned around and all of a sudden he's like a doctor in australia like what's going on (laughs) 
What was wrong? Why did David Lynch do this? Because he later, I think he said they made him cut a lot out and that's why it was so. Apparently it was an hour longer. Yeah, one of the people at the watch party with us said that he made the movie and they told him you have to cut out a full hour of this movie. Take out a third. (laughs) So he was like, okay, hold on. I got to keep all the pustules. I got to keep Sting (laughs) just standing there shirtless saying nothing for several minutes. That's crucial. Got to keep that. Important. Yeah. The cat with the rat taped to it. <laughs> which oh we God. have to talk about in detail. <laughs> yeah. So the the pacing was horrible. I think I still wouldn't like the movie if it was have it had better pacing because it was so disgusting to me, but it wouldn't have been as baffling, I think. Yeah. When it when it first started out and it was just like bad AD CGI, like Jess said, I was like, oh, this is this is kind of funny, but whatever, it's fine. Yeah. But they've relied on it so heavily that I was like, don't you guys know this isn't good? Like I know it's good for the time, but Dune was not good for the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you watch it back? Well, I will say for the 84 to the book, they did the Princess Irulan, like her speaking kind of thing. Yeah. It seemed like it was more yeah. in the 84 version. Like, they did a little intro in the 2021 one, but but yeah, still, I wouldn't know what was going on if I hadn't read the book. I'd be like, right. what is yeah. happening? And a lot of people said they were confused by the 2021 version as well, which I was kind of surprised by because, of course, I did read the book, so that helped. But I, I didn't think it was confusing. But I know my sister said, like, she had no idea what was going on. So I was like, this is great. Listen to our podcast. There's also, these days, there are a lot of, like, most blockbuster movies really spoon-feed things to you mm-hmm. in a way that Dune didn't, like— With Dune, things eventually, for the most part, get explained, but you have to kind of sit for a little while without knowing what's going on. Yeah, you cannot text during that movie and expect to understand what's happening. (laughs) I'm trying to think of any benefit to the 1984 band. uh... Well, I was was just going to say, in defense of their decision to make, like, all the special effects in the 1984 version, that movie apparently had a huge budget. I guess I just feel like they probably thought like, oh, this is enough money that it will turn out well in the end. Yeah, I'll just throw a lot of money at it. It'll turn out good. But it seems like they spent uh, an absurd amount of money on adding in animals that didn't exist in the plot. The cat. The cat. (laughs) And the rat. (laughs) It cost at least $8 million to tape that rat to that cat. (laughs) Important to the plot. For the most part, I would actually have to say that I feel like the 1980s version was maybe a little more faithful to the book, except that it had to skip everything and the cat rat. But there were things that it obviously had to leave out, but it didn't really make changes. The thing yeah. that I also, I kind of liked that they had Irulan doing the voiceover in the 80s one mm. because of just the frame of the book, which each chapter mm-hmm. opens with a section of some of Irulan's writing about Paul, and she's written like 50 books about Paul, <laughs> we can assume, just by the time the book is put together. I'm not really sure how to explain it, but she has like children's books about him, philosophical treatises about him, like just history books. The 2021 movie tried to make Chani or Chani, the way, which is how they pronounce it in that movie, they try to make her more of a star, which mm-hmm. I guess is because... Zendaya's so, you know, she's popping off right now. Right. And she's barely in the movie. So they're like, we need to kind of lure people in. I don't know. I don't really like that they did that. I wanted Irulan to be in there, but she like never shows up. But even Zendaya, like they, the promo for the movie, I feel like really gave her role outsized importance. And then it turned out she hardly did anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to show her. People were like, 
oh my God, Zendaya was only in like seven minutes of the film. But yeah, she's in all the promo and like the posters. Yeah. Probably, mm-hmm. you know, for the selling point. Like, hey, if you yeah. are not a normal nerd, look, Zendaya's in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And Timothy. watch it. Yeah. yeah. And Timothy. She's in like seven minutes of the movie, but six of those minutes are the same thing because it's just like him dreaming of her turning around and looking at him. My God. It's the same scene. <laughs> yes. I think it's fine that they used her in a lot of promo, though, because she is a main character. <laughs> Just most of it's in the second half of the book. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of fine with them doing that because, you know, she will be popular. But yeah, I mean, I get it. It's it's 100% like a crass marketing thing trying to get all the teens to come see it. Makes sense. <laughs> I'm glad they're going to make another movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's time to chat about that cat rat. Cat rat chat. Let's go. Yeah. I don't even remember what the context of that scene like, was. Like, why was it? Yeah. Why was it there? So in the book, they poison Thufir Hawat and say that if you don't, you know, do what I want you to do for the Harkonnens, then we're going to remove the antidote to the poison. And that way, like, it's not even like, you know, you can't save yourself by just watching your food extra carefully. The poison's already in your system. We're just going to withdraw the antidote. So you're definitely going to die. So in the movie, for some reason, instead of just saying that, they said, if you want to survive, you have to milk this cat every day. Milk the cat. And the cat had a rat taped to it. Taped to it. And I don't even know why, because <laughs> like milking duct-taped. a cat was, the, that was weird enough already. And that wasn't in the book. <laughs> I don't. I truly don't know why they taped a rat. Like I don't know what that has to do with poison. Yeah, well, it was clearly missing something. I bet that was a last minute decision. How are you going to milk a cat? I'm not going to Google it though, right? But why? Why the rat? I don't get it. Has anyone asked David Lynch about this? Why, <laughs> David? Are you listening? We need to know. I'm sure it was a studio decision. I'm sure it wasn't his fault. (laughs) They were like, cut out one hour and put in this cat rat. (laughs) We think this cat rat is going to (laughs) pop. Yes. It's like Zendaya, like the cat rat is all over all the promo. And they're like, oh, it was only in one scene. That's disappointing. (laughs) Hopefully they make a sequel with more cat rat. Should we just tweet at David Lynch and just say, why the rat? And like, no context. Do you think he'll understand what we're asking? Yes. I, I mean, I think he's pretty humiliated by this movie. I bet he doesn't want people asking him about it. Does David Lynch feel that emotion? He does. He he disowned this film. Well, the thing is, if there weren't things like this cat rat in the movie, and I knew it was by David Lynch, I would have been a little disappointed, right? <laughs> Wait, say that again? He's saying the cat rat needs to be there because otherwise it's not like a real David Lynch movie. He needs some freaky, inexplicable stuff. Yeah, because otherwise, what's the point of having him do it at all? So I think in a normal David Lynch Lynch movie, the cat rat would just be there, but no one would acknowledge its presence or say, like, this has a purpose in the plot. Mm. Like, so it was extra weird. <laughs> it should have just been in the background, is what I'm saying. That's true. It just That's really true. made an impression on us. <laughs> That's all. Lasting. I wish I could remember who said this in, in our watch party, because they gave us a lot of great info. I think there were a couple people that had a lot of <laughs> background knowledge. But apparently, so they made action figures of the of the characters from this movie, yes. right, back in the 80s. And they included the cat rat. <laughs> Except the rat wasn't on the cat. The cat rat was an accessory for the Sting action figure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's just the the worst sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'm picturing the company presents his toy to him and he just... <sighs> okay. <laughs> just sighs. Okay, but can we make the cat rat, like, removable? Sorry, I should have said Sting was the accessory for the cat rat action figure. Yeah. <laughs> right. T. Chevrolet reminds me. 
of an ant from the animated movie Ants. I can see that. He kind of has like the angular little triangle face. (laughs) Yeah. This is the first uh, movie I've watched with T. Chevrolet. I haven't watched a lot of movies in recent years. I'm surprised you haven't seen Little Little Women. I know. I'm I'm ashamed of myself. Um, This has nothing to do with this podcast, but after the aurora shooting in colorado i became really i already have anxiety like it just went mm-hmm. through the roof in movie theater so i just don't go mm-hmm. that often because it's not enjoyable i'm just mm-hmm. always like where's the exit fair very fair mm-hmm. back to the topic though but yeah uh so i know people are like oh my god he's such an amazing actor and i was like okay he's good i guess i don't know yeah i don't there's not a lot of words i feel like there's not a lot of you're like there wasn't much material for him to work with you feel like yeah there's a lot of stairs because villeneuve i don't can't villeneuve <laughs> He loves a lingering <laughs> shot. He loves to like stay in this moment for a while. And I was like, all right, can we cut some of these out though? <laughs> but <laughs> I feel torn on the 2021 movie. Some people were like, it's amazing. Andrew enjoyed it a lot, but he did say he was confused. He didn't read the book. Mm. I don't know. I feel like it was long, but it was only half of the book. And I'm like kind of annoyed that they made it into two movies. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be 100% honest. Like, Okay, fine. If no one in the movie was attractive, I think it would have been a lot more of a slog. Kind yes. of like in <laughs> 1984, Dune. Like, yes. If they had made somebody really attractive, I would have been into that probably. But yes. I just felt like it was fun to watch for that reason. <laughs> yes. Even the older people were kind of attractive. Daddy Leto? Yeah. Oscar Isaac? Thank you. Did you say Daddy Leto? <laughs> yeah. We were like, give us the peen for the whole scene where he's naked. The three of us downstairs were like, are they going to show the peen? Are they showing it? And they never did. No. What? He was nude, Jackie. I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> My friend who I, who I saw the movie with, this is Michael, uh, Michael friend mm-hmm. of the podcast, Mimosa Mike. Um, <laughs> that he, is his new nickname. You saw it with Jason Momoa? He pointed out that when Oscar Isaac was naked in the chair, he was like, it seems like that's supposed to be some sort of shaming ritual for him to have him be naked in that chair. But how could he possibly be ashamed when he has that body? <laughs> he should be proud. <laughs> Chiseled like a god. And everyone around him looks so much worse. <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that, too, because I was... Just like, oh man, that would suck to be in that position. And then you're like, no, you're Oscar Isaac. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> also, he's like not aware of anything that's happening. No, I liked this movie a lot. Actually, I didn't. I didn't like love it, but I liked it, and I want to see it in theaters and see if I might like it even more. Because I used to watch, you know, all of the Lord of the Rings movies growing up, which are super long and kind of paced in a slow way for a lot of it. And this kind of had a similar vibe to me. The recent action movies, they're very, like, cut so quickly. They're full of quips and, like, irreverent jokes and all this. And I'm kind of like, okay, I like a movie where you don't have people having little banter with each other and mm-hmm. <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of hanging out. And and for me, the two movies make sense. I would rather someone, if they're adapting a classic like this, I'd rather them take the time that they need especially after watching the 80s movie and just how horribly paced it was. I always mm-hmm. assumed that they were going to have to do a, a couple, at least two movies for, for Dune, but... Not even naked Oscar Isaac could have saved the 1984 Dune movie. No. No way. Nothing. Yeah. That makes sense with the splitting. I just, I feel like I guess they'll go with how well they do 
since they're going to do a part two, I don't know if they're going to do Dude Messiah and keep going. I've seen videos on YouTube like the new Game of Thrones or like. How can a movie series be the new Game of Thrones? <laughs> this guy, he has a YouTube channel like Dune is literally his entire personality. It's like <laughs> Quinn's thoughts. Or something. I watched one of his videos like recapping Dune. He literally has a bajillion videos. And I saw one that was like, Dune, best sci-fi movie in decades. And I'm like. <laughs> Is it, though? I don't know. I'm just annoyed that this, like, classic white sci-fi is the new thing that they're putting so much money mm-hmm. into. But, I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, it was it was pleasing <laughs> to my eyes and my ears. Right. Great soundtrack. Um, I did like some of the changes. But, like, where's where's the Ursula K. Le Guin, like, blockbuster? Like, can we get one of those? Yeah. They've done a Wizard of Earthsea show, I think. Really? But it was, like, quite low budget. I think so. Mm. I'll look it up while you guys talk about it. N.K. Jemison, who the fifth season, which is, like, a sci-fantasy series, one of my favorite, there was announced a couple of months ago that that's getting, like, a seven-figure adaptation. So I'm very hopeful. Um, And she's writing the script. A TV or a movie adaptation? I think it's movie. Mm. And she's writing the script. So I'm very excited because that was a book I was, when I was reading it, like, oh, my God, this needs to be adapted because it's phenomenal. And so I'm excited. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like Timothy Chevrolet's face. And now I'm going to have to see it everywhere (laughs) for, like, years. (laughs) I have to say, that's a whole new thing. I've never heard someone say that he looks like the ant from Ants. But you're 100% right. (laughs) I can't (laughs) unsee it. I really appreciated Jason as uh, Duncan Idaho because mm-hmm. in the book I did not care in the book I didn't really care about any character <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or in the 80s movie didn't care yeah in the 2021 I was like yeah Duncan Idaho and Andrew kept calling him Duncan Utah and I was like shut <laughs> up please <laughs> well in the book I did like uh, Leto mm-hmm. I mean he dies too soon I was like when the Ned Stark is this but um, <laughs> one of them it felt longer that we got him yeah. in the movie than in the book so I really like that, mm. but um, also in the movie they don't immediately reveal that he will die and who will kill him and under what circumstances. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that they took out like that part, like the the prophecy part, like the or the prediction. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, interesting. And yeah. a question I had because I was like, did I forget this in the book? Did they Paul and Jessica do sign language like they do in the twenty twenty one movie? Hard I to don't tell. remember. <laughs> like, if they did, it wasn't a big deal. Because Jessica did sign language with everyone. Like, her guards even, she would do it with. Yeah. And I was like, did I miss that? Because I thought that was interesting in the 2021 one. But I don't remember if it was in that yeah, book Yeah, I don't like remember that. if that was in the book either. Or if it was in the book, it might have been something similar but slightly different. Like, some type of secretive communication they can do. Yeah. Other things that I liked about the 2021 that they changed, so... They didn't change like terribly much, but they took out the whole part where they're um, trying to frame Lady Jessica for the betrayal. I was like, good, just get rid of that because that was like a stupid waste of time anyway. So I was glad that they got rid of that. They got rid of like the dinner party, which could have been a cool scene, but maybe they filmed that and it's just like in the extended version or something. And then the other thing they did was that they made Liette Kynes a woman. When she popped up, I was like, yes, yes. I like that. Yeah, me too. Because – Truly, there was no reason to keep her a man. They gave her a lot more of a role to play, like significantly more, which Mm -hmm. I was okay with. I feel like they expanded the role because they're like, you know, Chaney doesn't come in until so late. We need another significant female character. There's a lot more Kynes in the movie. Kynes is more helpful to the 
Atreides in the movie and also has a much more like noble death. So Kynes is like an action character and, you know, dies fighting to protect Paul and Jessica. Whereas in the book, Kynes is like easily captured right away and then like falls into a hole. His still suit's removed and he's sent into the desert to die. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. happy with the changes, but there were definitely a lot of changes. Yeah. But I did like her death a lot more in the movie than I did in the book. The book death shows mo- more like how horrible the Harkonnens are for doing that to someone. Yeah, but it's pretty clear that they're horrible anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's more active in the 2021 movie as well. She doesn't use her feminine wiles, like, at all. Yeah. I don't know how I felt about Jessica in the 2021. I had feelings. I thought she was kind of perpetually terrified, and i that's not the sense I got from her in the book. In the book, at least the first half, she was way more, like, strong and independent right. and, like, looked to more, like, a powerful Ben and Jesuit woman like she is. But in the movie, 2021 at least, I felt like she was already more, like, that reserved kind of, like, already kind of deferred to Paul. Yeah. 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 And I was like, we at least, we don't get to that till the second half, but already. Yeah. And then I was hoping they would make the voice sound, you know, more appealing to the ear. And I was like, no, I still don't want to hear that. (laughs) Which in the only time in the 2021 movie that I felt that Jessica really became powerful or got to show off any of that was when she used the voice. But the voice was so weird. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I didn't mind it that much. But yeah, I, I thought her character was like, seemed very weak. Like it starts out with her being terrified that the Reverend Mother is going to kill Paul, which is fair. But then she never really Mm -hmm. recovers from that. (laughs) I think the one change that I really don't like in the 2021 is that, yet again, this movie leaves out the scene where Dr. Yue gives his wife's orange Catholic Bible to Paul. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a deleted scene that you can see later on. Mm -hmm. I don't think they should have taken it out because how long could it take? Two minutes? Okay, two more minutes. Give it to us. The part about Dr. Yue that is interesting to me is that he he's not he's not doing anything wrong if you look at the morals of this society like everyone else would do whatever it takes to save their family right okay so he betrays his employer but he's doing it to save his wife and any of them would do the same do we really think Leto wouldn't have killed dr ua to save jessica we know that he would have but the part that makes you kind of feel for him is that you see a few little scenes where he obviously does care about Paul and Jessica and Leto. Mm-hmm. And he kind of sees Paul as a son and you get some more backstory on his wife. And, you know, they never got to have kids and blah, blah, blah. So it's just you get you gain so much from leaving that yeah. little scene in. I don't know why they needed to cut it for the theatrical release. Yeah, the Dr. Yue was a very, very limited character in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody else would have, like, killed him to save their own family for sure. But, like, not only that, but, like, he did go out of his way to save Paul and Jessica. Like, he didn't just say, like, I'm going to kill the Duke and then whatever else happens, happens. Like, he built all of this into his plans to, like, make sure that Paul would be safe. Yeah, And he gave the Duke the poison tooth so that he would, you know, be able to die painlessly instead of being tortured to death yeah. and get revenge. Like, And those parts are in the movie, but you don't really get a sense of his motivation at all yeah (laughs) yeah you're just like this is a weird traitor why is he being so nice (laughs) 
I feel like I had a different kind of thought about Dr. Yue in the book because he did have those, obviously in the book, you see more of his reasoning. But in the book, I feel like he was talking about like, it's most likely that my wife is dead. Yes. But like, I'm still going to try. And I was like, but why though? Right. And I know it's his employer, but I'm like, if you really care about him and now you're taking this person's father and this honorable man. This hot, hot man. (laughs) Daddy Leto. You're taking Daddy Leto from us. He is so hot. How could you do this? You already know, but I guess he's like, that 1% chance. I think I feel that way just because Leto was kind of the only character I cared. Like, I felt like he was a decent, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I think that's a limitation of Frank Herbert's writing. Yeah. I don't think his characters really come through. And I felt like, okay, I did get the Ned Stark vibes from Leto. Like, he thinks going to Dune is his right thing and they're going to do, you know, these great things. And then, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or maybe it's because, you know, you get this, heads up like almost immediately that he's doomed because not only like do we get the the hint that Dr. Yue is going to betray him but like the reverend mother says there's nothing we can do to help him now like we told him once he made this choice he was he was done for yeah and you kind of just want that not to be true like even though you you know it's the case you're like well they're telling me that because they're gonna upend it somehow and then they don't yeah there's a way out of this he can spit out the tooth or something and then right right no no. no, I mean, I get maybe it's a poetic choice to say that I'm going to do this horrible thing, even if there's only a 1% chance that, you know, my wife is alive. But I did think it was a weird choice for him because it just seems so arbitrary. It's just like she's almost certainly dead, yeah. but I'm going to destroy this whole family just in case, you know, exactly. maybe I've never been in this situation and maybe this is not me being empathetic, but I'm like, if I were going to destroy someone else's whole family for a 1% chance that my loved one could be saved, I think honestly, I would just... I would give up that 1% chance and I would just let the other family live. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem worth it. (laughs) I mean, he did everything he could to not destroy the whole family. Like, he gave them every advantage he could. (laughs) But all the servants and everybody also died. Like, everybody in that house died, basically, except for Paul and Jessica. That's love for you. Yeah, that's love. <laughs> we, look, it's Jackie, powerful. this podcast, we love love in all of its forms. <laughs> all of its forms. <laughs> that's our saying, <laughs> our motto. Yeah, burn the world down. Even the love that a, an aging rock star has for a cat with a rat taped to it, that's love that we love. <laughs> especially, especially that kind of love. I do also feel like I agree with Jess that now that Jason Momoa is, now that Justin Mimosa is in the role of Duncan Utah, I cared more about whether he died or not. I just liked him. I just thought he was like really good at that. The deaths were a lot more poignant in 2021. <laughs> Duncan, Idaho. The How did you feel about Gurney Halleck? I liked Gurney. I liked him in the movie, in the book, again, in the book. Eh. But I was like, I mean, he's emotional, but I like it. Which also makes me think of The Shields will look way better, of course, in 2021. Yeah. In 1984. Yeah. Those boxes <laughs> in 1984 were so bad. <laughs> we'll have to describe those. But yeah, Gurney in the, in the new movie, I was like... He just seemed to me like your friend's dad who's just like a little gruff and like rough around the edges, but he really wants the best for you. I'm just like, Gurney. Yes. I like that. He has dad energy, not daddy energy. Just want to be clear about that. Very different. Mm. But yeah, the shields. Um, I don't even know how you In 1984, it. it's like, I don't know, just I'm imagining like a like a terrarium and you just put that around a person. And they just move. Yeah. I liked how the shields looked, especially that shot of everyone fighting, like the shot from above of them fighting on the mm-hmm. stairs, the Harkonnens and the Atreides people, when you could see the shields clashing. 
Yeah, in the new yeah. movie. In the old one, I I said at the time that it looked terrible, and I still stand by that. So come at me, <laughs> anyone who likes the look of the 1984 shields. That is not a bravado move, Rachel. You know no one is coming after I you know for no saying that. <laughs> yeah, like, come after me. <laughs> that is bravado. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, I really liked, I thought the CGI in the 2021 movie looked really good. Like, it didn't look... A lot of times in Marvel movies, stuff looks so obviously fake, but I thought for the most part, it looked pretty lived in, Mm -hmm. like the spaceships and things. I'm not looking at that and thinking they made that on a computer. Well, because they did it more like Lord of the Rings, like they actually made stuff instead of just... I wonder how much though, because there was one scene that I thought looked quite bad, which was one of the battle scenes. I think it was like a scene where Paul is fighting someone. And I said to Steven, like, this is the first time the CGI has looked bad to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. But I don't remember exactly what it was. Also, when he kills Jameis and Jessica says, this is the first time Paul's ever killed a man. Didn't he like push someone out of the ornithopter? Or at least he like very nearly directly caused multiple people to die on that ornithopter. I guess Jessica technically killed them. <laughs> I know, but, like, they're acting like Paul's never done a bad thing in his life. And it's like, he he really almost <laughs> killed those people. Like, Jessica kind of just did the very last second of the thing, but... Maybe they don't consider those guys to be human? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea how they get around that. Were you guys confused with the Jameis fight when he kept getting these scenes of Jameis being like, yes. like, learn from me, we're best friends, or whatever? <laughs> I was very confused. And on that same note, I could have done with half as many of his visions. Like, we get it. Yeah. You're going to see Chaney. <laughs> um, I think the parts you got, you described being confused about in the Paul Jameis fight was when I was outside of the movie theater. <laughs> so uh, what happened there? <laughs> it sounds like it's a good thing I missed it. Wait, it was his visions that he was having where it seemed like Jameis was going to take him under his wing and then he fought him. It does happen at first. Before they even get back to town, he kills Jameis. Yeah. So in the book, Paul doesn't have these visions of Jameis becoming a mentor figure to him. But in the movie, he has like multiple visions of like him and Jameis and Chaney hanging out or him and Jameis going on a little adventure together and smiling at each other or whatever. So I was like, oh, that's nice. They're going to change it so Jameis doesn't die. And then Jameis challenges him and Paul tries not to kill him. And I was like, "Okay, they're going to let Paul not kill him. And then everyone's like, no, you have to kill him. Yeah. So I guess the movie was just trying to show us like it's even more of a tragedy. Yeah. They were saying like Paul is able to see all of these potential futures, but he doesn't necessarily know how to make them happen. So if he had known how to avoid the challenge, then Jameis could have become like a great friend and ally but he wasn't able to Mm. so now this guy that could have been his buddy he killed him Mm. so i'm guessing that's what the movie was trying to do what did you think about the sandworms i was like oh my god they're huge they were huge (laughs) They, they did a good job of showing them and not showing them right like i think some of these movies they err on the side of like "Ooh, what you can't see is the scariest and then it's like all right but come on i want to see something right so they did they did enough of that but not so much where i'm like well this is ridiculous I thought it was a good balance. Talk about the old man, Jackie. The old man? The old man that loved the worms. Oh, yeah. So the guy sitting next to me in the movie theater, <laughs> I think it was the first scene that we see a worm, like the the part where Daddy Leto goes down and like saves the the workers from the, the worm. When it appeared on screen, I don't know how to describe this in an auditory medium, but the guy was, he was probably like 60 years old and he was just like... 
bouncing like he up and was down, going pumping his yeah. arms. He was like a little kid, like just bouncing up and down. Worm, worm, worm. Yeah, he was so excited. I love that for him. And normally I'd be a little annoyed about things like that in movie theaters, but it's been COVID for two years and I'm just like, yeah, fuck, just people be happy. I'm here for it. Just do what you want. Just people be happy. Yeah. I love that yeah. scene. It's like what the spice station thingy, mm-hmm. Harvester. The Harvester, yeah. I thought that was a really great scene. Yeah. And the thing was like, failing and they're like it's failing and like no they did extend that scene a little i think and it was exactly like what happened in the book or except actually maybe two differences which is that instead of like the harkonnens making it so that they just didn't get saved it was that like they did try to save the spice harvester but Mm -hmm. the equipment just broke just broke sometimes things break it's the desert yeah it happens i was watching a friend's video and she was talking about when she reads a book and then sees an adaptation usually she likes the adaptation to be different because she Mm. just wants you know it's a different medium so she wants a, a different interpretation and usually i am very much if i read a book i want the adaptation to be very close to the book but i feel like since i didn't love the book dune i was hoping it was more different like i was hoping it'd be a little faster paced or maybe they'd add which i mean they did do changes but i still thought it mm-hmm. was relatively similar to like the pacing mm-hmm. of the book which mm-hmm. lend mm-hmm. itself to the beautiful shots and you know the slower and the big music orchestra scenes or whatever but i was like just hoping there'd be a little a little more but Mm -hmm. who am i lowly peasant yeah (laughs) i mean i don't see what you're complaining about they put a cat rat in there whatever that's pretty different (laughs) that is the one thing i wish they had done like a little homage to the 80s movie just a little cat rat in the background and a pug come on (laughs) pug running around yeah we're not asking for much those have to be cheap yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah everyone we hope you're enjoying this episode with jess owens we're having a great time talking with her if you want to check out any of our social media you can find her at twitter um at underscore said by jess her instagram is said by jess but without the underscore and her youtube channel is just jess owens our information you can find um at fire the canon podcast um dot com And we also would love it if you would leave us a rating or review if you're enjoying this. It really makes a big difference to us, and we get so excited every time we see them. And if you would love to make us happy, then go ahead and do that. Um, And if you want to check out our Patreon, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up on there. I know we always say that, but it's always true. It gets better and better because we have stuff on it, and we never delete it, and then we add more things, and that just makes it better than it was before. Um, So go ahead and check that out. It's patreon.com slash firethecanon. What the I F? said we don't rest on our laurels. All right, back to the episode. <laughs> it seems like that, like this is kind of trying to become like another Lord of the Rings, and I put everything into the context of Lord of the Rings, so this might not be surprising. But I feel like what's happening is that there's this whole obsessive community of people who love Dune popping up, but like they've only read the one book or they've only seen the first movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like the biggest topic of conversation among like everyone of almost every age, it feels like, honestly. And yeah, it's just interesting because a lot of people are so new to it that like there's not like the deep lore that you would get with like people reading the Silmarillion and then like talking about that with Lord of the Rings. Like with this, it's just like it feels like there's like six people who understand what's going on in the deep lore and then like <laughs> hundreds of thousands who are just like, Dune! <laughs> Worms. I feel that same, like they're trying to make it like that even though they're it's going to be a Lord of the Rings show still, I think. Um, I, who cares about that? Jackie's mad because there's going to be sexuality in it. I love the movies. I rewatch them 
all the time. If it's yes. on, I'm going to sit. I'm going to watch it. Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch yes. from the beginning. I'm going to watch the extended. Mm-hmm. I've only yeah. read The Hobbit yeah. and The Fellowship of the Ring. I know. But the, <laughs> the movies, movies are really good. They're, I mean, they're masterpieces. And still to this day, I watch it and I'm just like, oh, like I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, oh mm. my God, <laughs> the torches. Like I get so stressed. But I feel mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings, even for its time, I mean, looking great, great music. The characters in that story are so compelling. And I don't know if Dune has that. And maybe they can change that with the the film. Like the actors can yeah, really— Yeah, just put really hot people in there. Honestly. <laughs> I don't know if like me. Paul's not necessarily like the most likable. I don't— He's no Frodo, that's for sure. Oh, Definitely not a Sam Wise. Where? Yeah, that's where's true. his Sam Wise? He needs one. It's not Jessica. It could have been Jameis. Well, he killed him. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. I've heard of Dune for years— but I literally thought it was just one book because I only heard it. I never heard the Dune series. I never heard about the other books till like more recently. So I don't know how many people like have, there's like six official books by Frank. And then I think his son and somebody wrote like a bunch of other Dune related books or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm curious because there definitely is, it's like an obsession right now. And I'm just like, but you are not Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. No, you will <laughs> never be Lord of the Rings. I could see Dune, like if they land the second movie and then they make another movie based on another book and kind of get the ball rolling, I could see it being the sci-fi Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And that's not to say that I'm going to like it as much Mm -hmm. because Lord of the Rings came out when I was like 10, obviously. And I had read the books. Like I I first read The Hobbit when I was like six or seven. And then I've loved the whole series ever since then. So there's no way that I would ever care about Dune as much. But I could see it being having the equivalent of like the fan base and people, you know, wanting to know everything about it. I just felt because I've never seen I've never seen another movie by Dune. I've never seen Arrival. Um, Arrival's great. So, so good. That's so what I hear. But I've never seen it. So I watched Dune and I was just like, OK, this film is cinematography on the level of the Lord of the Rings movies, mm-hmm. not the Hobbit movies. We're cutting those right out. The special effects. So, yeah. Really good. Yeah, it's going to hold up for, like, decades, yeah. The fight scenes, mostly pretty good. Mm -hmm. Way better than the fight scenes in the 80s movie. (laughs) So I could see, like you said, if they put out, I mean, they're going to put out another one, and if they land that one and don't fuck it up, I do feel like this is going to be something people will watch repeatedly and, like, have parties about. Because, like, I've had, like, multiple parties for every Lord of the Rings movie. Mm -hmm. Like, not when they came out, because, again, I was also, like, 10 or 12. But, you know, they're just the kind of things you, like, get people together and, like, have an event just based out of watching the movie even when you've seen it before i feel like that could happen for Dune. i could see myself yeah. dressing as duncan idaho for your one of your dune parties <laughs> that you're gonna have in the 20s i love it <laughs> i don't know i don't maybe this is just me in my negative nancy hat i just don't feel like there's that much in dune that was compelling to me mm-hmm. to feel like something i want to rewatch and like right. pick apart or like mm-hmm. notice like i still think it looked great and like Certain parts or like certain scenes I really enjoyed and not like I'd never rewatch it, but it's not like, but maybe that's just me. I just feel like there's lots of, it looked great, there's cool moments, but overall as a movie, it's not something I would want to spend another two and a half hours multiple times over the rest (laughs) of my life being like, ooh, let me watch the sand dunes, you know, like the pan, like it looks cool. It is a little more monotonous. You don't get like the minds of Moria and Lothlorien and Mordor, like all those different kind of flavors. And there's just a lot of different places in Lord of the Rings, like in the Shire and then their adventure and just all the scene. And there's different culture in each of them. And even the Mm. elves are different 
said, the dwarves are different yeah. depending on where they're from. And yeah. Dune is just like the people and the Fremen and sand mm-hmm. and the worms. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the second one will change my mind. Sand is a character. Yeah. The sand is a character. <laughs> I hope it was like in the top build cast. Yeah. <laughs> the strength that Dune has over Lord of the Rings is obviously that, you know, not everyone in it is white. But I was just thinking like with Lord of the Rings, yes, they're all white, but those are such great white guys. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that is like the only property ones. that only has white guys where I'm not just like, come on. Because I'm like, if you have to be all white guys, these are the white guys to be. And Liv Tyler. I love her. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I just she's exquisite. great. I mean, when I when I watched the movie as a little kid, I was mad that they expanded Arwen's role from the book. Cause I was very much like, no, an adaptation needs to be exactly what's in the book and that's it. And I remember watching it and telling my sisters, like, ugh, Arwen should not have been doing this. This was supposed to be someone else doing this thing and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, it's they just they cast that movie so well. Everyone was perfect. that I never perfect. doesn't even bother me. <laughs> perfect. But no one else do it. <laughs> yeah. I definitely love the you know the varying shades in Dune especially like making Liet Kynes a black woman I was like yes Mm -hmm. we are here for this Um, this is a random question I mean it does relate to Dune but Mm. I feel like and maybe this is just my Twitter feed that people are like obsessed with Zendaya and I like her I've seen her in a fair amount of things Mm -hmm. I don't think she's like I don't know Meryl Streep or Viola Davis but she's cute whatever do you are you in the hype train or I've just never seen her in anything and then she didn't really do anything in this movie so I didn't really have any thoughts <laughs> first of all the first time I ever saw her was when my little sisters watched the Disney Channel show she used to do and that was like well after so I had aged out long ago so I was not the target audience but that show to me was the most annoying grating thing I had ever seen it was so obnoxious <laughs> what was it like called? oh what is it called I never seen it yeah I was too old at that time. Yeah. yeah, but my younger sisters would watch it. She was in, what was it called? Like her, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato. Like I never watched any of their like TV. I knew of them, but I didn't watch it. Okay, it was called Shake It Up. And it was her and some other tween and they wore the like really horrible Disney Channel outfits where it's like little kids doing so many different bright layers. And it was just terrible. (laughs) It was it was to me, it was one of the most annoying shows on the Disney Channel ever. (laughs) It's such an aesthetic, though. That is such a. Oh, yeah. Specific (laughs) vibe. When you said like Disney Channel little kid look, I immediately thought of like, yeah, multiple bright shirts and then like a tutu. Lime green skirt with ruffles. (laughs) Pink leopard print headband lots of bangles yes yes (laughs) i don't think she's a good actress but i think she's a competent actress i saw her in the spider-man movies Mm -hmm. i liked her in that but like the role didn't require much from her it was just kind of to be a little bit sarcastic and snarky yeah i don't think she's a great actress but i think she does a pretty good job so i hope and of course she was very young when she started everyone can improve and she's definitely improved Mm -hmm. from her disney channel days she's still i think the reason people like her so much is her red carpet looks have been amazing. Mm-hmm. She's also been like an advocate for, you know, natural hairstyles. I remember when she was on the red carpet and she had like a white dress and like just really long mm-hmm. braids and she just looked fantastic. Yeah. And I think Barbie made a Barbie doll of her with that same style and everyone was like, amazing, yeah. good representation. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of the hype for her is just 
her style and that she's dating Tom Holland and that sort of thing. Yeah, I agree with basically (laughs) everything you said. And just like, I mean, she's super cute. I just am like... I'm just really judgy, okay? Everyone listening, I'm sorry. I'm judgy. Well, that's why we have you on here. Like, we're not trying to have somebody who likes everything give their hot takes. Yeah, that's boring. But I'm like, if she wasn't, like, super thin, would she be the soup? I don't know, but that's just, we don't need to go there. She's cute. She is cute. She's good. A great stylist. Yeah. Decent actress. That's, you know, that's enough to be up and coming. She's very young, so who knows where she'll, her skills will be in 10 years. Um, Theo, I feel like you have seen both movies, but you haven't really said much. What are your, do you have any other things that you were thinking about them? Not really. I mean, it seems. <laughs> They're movies. Like, I, I don't think I want to watch Dune. Three times. <laughs> like, honestly, I think I would rather watch the David Lynch one again. <laughs> Just because it was funny? I mean, I don't know. I, I do kind of like David Lynch in general. And I, I mean, he's in general very grotesque all the time. And I, I think that I would probably skip through and watch a few of the, like, <laughs> strangest parts of it yeah yeah the 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 2021 dune looked great kind of flawless looking but i don't think i need to see it again yeah i will say i liked in the 2021 that they basically took out the the gross weird pedo part with mm. the baron like the little the boy yeah Just like mm-hmm. they cut that out with like i was like thank you we didn't there's still a chance there's a second move <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah don't lose hope fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> don't get too excited I'm talking again about Dune tomorrow Oh, with um, some other booktubers. We're talking about the book and the movies. And like one person's like, oh, my God, it was the most amazing movie I've seen in years or something. And two of us were like, it was good. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't have enough for me. As far as blockbusters go, this is one of the best blockbusters I have seen in years. I That's think it was true. really well made. I liked that it had a totally different vibe. The new Star Wars are so similar to like the Marvel movies and those are similar to like Mission Impossible and Fast and the Furious. This was just so different from any other big budget action-ish movies that mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm like, I am loving this. But I don't, I wouldn't say it's like one of the best movies I've seen in the past few years because there's been a lot of, I love Phantom Thread. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Liked Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That was great. I don't know. For me, the, the movies I've been enjoying lately are more like smaller things. <laughs> but as far as big movies mm-hmm. go, yeah, I really liked it. Has there been any like crazy drama in the booktube community just that you would like to share exclusively with us or the book community oh. <laughs> uh, we talked about there was some author dune drama the nfts thing probably was the biggest mess okay so like six young adult authors oh, i still don't even fully understand it came together they they announced like this project that they were going to do basically like this collaborative world like kind of write a series together with fans but they kind of had to buy into it because you had to like buy an nft token And it was like a discord and you were like, it's basically like inviting the fans to write fan fiction. Like they gave, here's the parameters of the world. And then you submit your stories and we'll like choose the best ones that get like submitted to the canon or something. Really strange. Like they all posted, like announced it. And then, I mean, people tore them to shreds immediately. They're like, this is yeah. scammy. Like you're young adult author. So you're marketing this towards teens. Like, I mean, by the time I found out about it, everyone's Instagram posts have been deleted. The, the Discord was privated. Like they 
announced it, and then they were like, oh, <laughs> never mind, real quick. Hey, what are you talking about? We never did that. Yeah, There's no like, evidence oh. of that. <laughs> and, you know, people were like, the environment, and this, you know, it sounds like a pyramid scheme, like an MLM. Huh. But wait, Rachel, were you saying there was something with Dune drama? Did I miss that? Yeah, we talked about it. I think it was Fonda Lee who had tweeted something like, <gasps> oh, yes. There's a, a popular writer, which we won't get into it too much because, like, that's not relevant. But, you know, she's a popular writer. Is she, she's Asian American, right? Or is she? I think she's Asian American, yeah. She's also Canadian as well. Canadian and American. But yeah, yeah, Jess, you've been loving Jade City, I think is the first one. Yes, so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I would recommend it to people. But so basically, essentially, she just tweeted like, I really, really, really loved Dune. And, you know, I kind of don't, basically, like, I don't like that I feel like people always have to put disclaimers. And I sometimes I just want to be able to love something. And, you know, of course, everyone was, or not everyone, but a lot of people were saying, well, you know, if it was your community that was being affected by Dune, would you really be talking like this? Saying basically that, you know, Middle Eastern and North African people, you know, it borrows elements of their culture and they weren't really involved behind the scenes with the movie they have a point that there should have been more involvement i think it's they were being a little dramatic about what they were saying the impact was but who knows because i've seen plenty of people like muslims who are like oh, i love dune i like yeah <laughs> i like what they did and so in the other two episodes we did where we talked about the plot and then also when we talked like more about the analysis and the issues of the writing and I didn't do that much research on it, but I know Rachel did. Like, we didn't find any examples of someone saying, like, I'm from the Middle East or this is my heritage and this has hurt me. You know, like, I'm sure people think that, but what? Yeah. No, I have seen some examples of people. I haven't. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen the, you know, I've seen the exact opposite of people saying, like, look, it is a white guy, but I thought it was good representation. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, my dad, you know, he was in the U.S. in the 60s. He's Muslim. He loved this book. Yeah. And, you know, he would talk about it with my uncles and they were so happy to see this. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Anyway, yeah. I think it's not the kind of thing where you can just go on one side. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Jess agreed with me, but I was kind of like, if you are a minority living in the U.S., you sometimes just want to enjoy things and be happy. Like you already have to deal mm -hmm. with a bunch of bullshit in your daily life. Yes. You don't want to always have to say and think, you know, yes, okay, I like this, but disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Sometimes you're like, mm -hmm. I don't want to have to deal with that. Please just let me not. Like people are relying on me to <laughs> educate everyone else about what's wrong with this, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I made a video once talking about books that had this certain trope and someone was like, I, this doesn't seem on your brand that you didn't include any such, such and such author. I'm like, I just like these books. Like, I'm sorry. It's mm -hmm. not always, yeah. I don't want to always have to speak on the discourse <laughs> and which I understand. And people are like, oh, but the discourse is the people who were not represent. Like, I understand the import, like obviously it was written in the sixties. And then this movie in 2020, 2021 had an opportunity definitely to include more people from Middle East, North Africa and didn't. It is, you know, important to acknowledge. I don't want to say I get defensive, but like I get, I'm just confused when people say like act of harm against a community. Yeah. Words are important. And sometimes people really word things, especially on Twitter, like to make it seem more. More dramatic. Yeah. Than it is like 
And by Fonda Lee saying she just enjoyed it, she was actively harming people that are Middle Eastern, North African. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think that's what I was asking. Like, I, I and that was a genuine question. Like, just because we didn't say on any of our episodes, like what people's problems with it were. Like, what did people say? I mean, should we give that side of it a voice? Like in our own conversation, people's problem with it is some people think like this is a sci-fi world that blends a lot of different cultures. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the cultures. And, you know, some people believe it's always a bad thing to borrow from a culture that you are not a part of. I mean, some people say that the Fremen are a stereotype and like Mm -hmm. he, you know, that sort of thing. And then some people say, oh, no, I like this part. So it's there is nothing that someone says this is wrong that doesn't have people in the same group saying, no, I like it or I think it's okay. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like there are times where, okay, this is just obviously wrong in other books that people have written. (laughs) But this is one where there is a conversation going on. And I think that, you know, the community that is involved should be allowed to have that conversation. I'm happy to kind of keep up with it, but there's not like a consensus. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I will say of Fonda Lee, there's really no better way to ensure that you're put into the discourse than to say, I don't want to be in the discourse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, she usually yeah. has some kind of snappy or whatever tweets people sometimes get annoyed at things she says <laughs> on Twitter often. So she could have left that part out but then I still feel like if she had then people would have been like if she was just like oh my god I love Dune it looked amazing people still would have commented right like mm-hmm. oh but you're just and gonna it would have seemed like she didn't know yeah what she was doing like Rachel was saying like when you're a marginalized person you're you really screwed if you do or if you don't because if yeah. she had just said that then people would be like oh so you're just gonna ignore and then she was like I just wanna say I just like it like I don't have energy to go <laughs> yeah right yeah it's just like I just wanna say like it's just like with some certain books when people are like, oh, my God, you shouldn't read that because it's problematic. It's like, I can acknowledge that maybe this part of it. Right. I had an enjoyable experience, but that does not mean I all of a sudden hate such and such group because I like this book. Mm-hmm. The right. Internet loves absolutes. They love bad or good. And you're like, yeah. Well. And I mean, how many <laughs> how many takes or how many comments did someone just decide not to make it all because they were like, like you said, I can't say anything without a disclaimer and Mm -hmm. if I put a disclaimer then it's going to draw me in like it'd just be better not to post it all look I don't think there's a problem with like the dune discourse being dampened by fear of reprisal plenty of people have positive takes on dune the part that annoys me is that you have tons of white guys who are like I love dune and they're allowed to say it Mm -hmm. but you have a woman of color who's a writer who says I love dune and then everyone Some people attack her for it. And it's just, Mm -hmm. you need to keep the same energy. You can't be focusing Mm -hmm. it on marginalized people. (laughs) Why are you saying it to her and not getting mad at, you know, these like white booktuber guys who just love Dune? Because our bar for them is so very low. (laughs) So low. That's what I'm saying. It's not fair. I think it's wrong to do that. Yeah, it is. But it's always... If you're in a marginalized group, it's like you always have to speak on everything. You always have to be educating. Or it's like, why? I just want to be able to talk about something I like and not always have to be like, well, let's talk about the history of the problems and the issues. And like sometimes, sure. Sometimes you're too tired. It's exhausting. (laughs) 
Yeah, you need a break. Yes, it's tiring. <laughs> but it, it'll never be enough for some people. No. If you are someone who displays an interest in social justice, people are more likely to come at you than if you're someone who's just like mm-hmm. doesn't care at all. Because they know like if they attack you for this, it's going to have an effect, whereas it's not going to have an effect on someone else. It's yeah. complicated. I don't remember what her end result was, but I think she was just like, yeah, look, I understand this. I don't know if she ended up taking the tweets down or not, but um, I hope I hope not. I think I said this to Jess, like there have been so many books and TV shows that, for example, don't have Polynesian representation in them. And a lot of times you think, yeah, they should. Sometimes they really should based on the location. Sometimes you just think that would be nice. And I do think the system of excluding groups is harmful. But for example, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say like, friends harms specific (laughs) communities because the friends are white, you know? I would say friends has harmed every community because friends are terrible. (laughs) I wouldn't, but like, I wouldn't say, you know, I would say it's, it's absurd that it's set in New York and everyone's white, but I don't think I would take Mm -hmm. it so far to be like, oh yeah, you know, it harmed the community. Yeah. So I just, yeah. yeah. It's not absurd. I know plenty of white people who only know other white people. (laughs) But like even the background of friends. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) But like there's other reasons it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Either, like I said, you have to be either or. And it's like you can acknowledge that. Yeah, of course, we want more representation. But then are we surprised? You know, it's Hollywood. They go with popular people who are going to bring people into a movie or, you know, with a book. It's just always like I know that. But I just I also just enjoyed it. Yeah. Just let me. It's not Mein Kampf. Can I please just right, yeah. <laughs> read the book? I know I, that's a very good point, but I couldn't help but laugh at imagining someone trying to do that with Mein Kampf. Just saying like, look, yeah. it's just, I, I just liked get it. Into the don't discourse. come at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. really related to the book, okay? Like, I think it was really well written. Like, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to get involved in the discourse. <laughs> I'm just trying to be objective about this. <laughs> Leave me out of it. There's a really famous viral tweet that it's this guy who says like reading Mein Kampf on the subway and constantly shaking my head so people know I don't agree with it. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh, terrible. Yeah, like, hmm. (laughs) I have a red pen crossing things out. (laughs) Xing it all out. Don't agree with this. (laughs) Consider revising. Yeah. Existing on the internet is already hard and then you add feels. whatever layer of a group you are you're a woman even worse you know uh, a woman of color even worse it's just yeah it's a place an interesting place this is just like extra you know old book discourse so this was well before you started your youtube channel but do you remember there was a book the book was called the black witch and it was dramatic because the main character so the author is white And she wrote a book about this fantasy society where there are these, like, basically, like, conservative magic users who are kind of obsessed with, like, blood purity or whatever. And she ends up going to, like, a magic college and getting exposed to other groups, like, minority groups, and then, like, basically mixed race in terms of magical races and, like, other kind of beings. And eventually she realizes that she was being racist and terrible and decides to like join these people and you know fight against her group and it was a big drama because everyone was like I mean honestly it was just people were like this is a book written from the perspective of a racist how terrible do you remember that (laughs) I remember that I never read it but I remember and I was like 
confused because I didn't know if people were saying the author was racist or like the story was racist. I remember so many people, this was like Instagram that I saw it on, were talking about that. I'm like, don't read that book. Yeah, like don't read it at all. I much prefer my my books to start out with someone who's perfect and stays perfect. Best books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing is that the critiques that a lot of people made, sure, they're right. Like the main character starts the book being homophobic and racist, and then she's not at the end or like she still is, but she's working on it because I think it's supposed to be a series. It wasn't written for marginalized people. Like it was written for people to realize like racists, basically to realize they're being racist. I don't know. It was just... I'm just, it was, that was the first time, that was like the first book controversy I ever paid attention to because it was written up in the New York Times. Oh, dang. I didn't realize that. There were articles all over the place. And I do remember reading it because, yeah, for a while, the Goodreads rating was was like one and a half stars because of people who were leaving one star reviews saying, I'm never going to read this because it's racist. Don't review a book if you haven't read it. I I hate that. So many times that happens, like something like that happened with a Veronica Roth book, I think. Mm -hmm. It wasn't in the Divergent series, but it was a different one. And someone like, I think it might have been like a booktuber or something, read it and was like, this book is like read an arc. And was like, this is racist or something. And I was watching someone's channel and they were like, I read this book and it's and it's not they're like i don't know what this person was talking about it just happens i hate when twitter or whatever they get on this thing like i don't want to see anyone reading this book right if you read this book you're this or that and i'm like i know a couple times like you know you've talked about how like the internet is just like hard to exist on like do you feel like the internet has gotten worse <laughs> in like very recent memory or is it just that like when you're on it more you're just noticing it more I just feel like I don't know this is not going to sound all that intelligent but I just feel like everything feels so toxic and so fraught it's hard to find like the good pockets you know like you used to kind of be able to find like yes. pockets of the internet that didn't feel scary <laughs> obviously I've like been on the internet for <laughs> a while since through various websites and platforms but this has been like the first year I've been like on YouTube, but like before I had my Instagram for a while, I would like talk on stories for as long as stories really have been around. Because I've asked my friends this and kind of just like about the world in general. And they've had like mixed responses. Like, I think we're just more hyper aware of things. And then some have been like, no, it really (laughs) is terrible. I feel like in this period of time, I guess that we've been in with like the call out or cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to say that because I hate that term. Like, <laughs> oh, they've, it's the worst. Like, there's been positives to it, where especially, you know, Me Too movement and things where people are coming forth with experiences. And this is like one way that a group of people can rally together to really make change. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, it's also been really, aren't really negative. I feel like getting on the internet, becoming a creator, like putting yourself out there publicly has like it's probably already existed. But and it definitely it makes me feel more like empathy because I would remember like super huge people, like millions of subs or like famous people who are like, I'm like, you're famous. Like, how are you letting these comments bother you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you can't have any problem. Exactly. Myself, even if it's like 100 positive comments, and you get like one negative one and just 
hyper-focusing on that. I don't know. It depends, I guess, on what time period we're going to say. Like, it starts, but I feel like the internet has gotten more negative. And then last year, I feel like, especially since so many people were at home, it was just time to just be (laughs) in front of their computer or on their phone. You know, no one was outside touching grass. Just everybody was inside (laughs) acting a fool. I've obviously made really great connections and, like, friendships through the internet, but sometimes it is awful getting online sometimes um yeah yeah and I really I feel the whole like you get one negative comment and that just kind of like outpaces all of the good ones like especially because you know again for better or for worse how powerful that can be so Mm -hmm. there are times where I feel like piling on when you see that other people are already doing it sometimes I think that's fine if someone is literally like a Nazi if they are advocating for like Mm -hmm. horrible horrible stuff or whatever I'm like yeah it is good to show them you know society is against these beliefs Mm -hmm. but when it's someone who like says something kind of dumb or like they don't know enough once you've seen a few people are like hey you need to read up on you know, ableism or whatever, because I think blah, blah, blah. Or if it's someone who like is expressing their feelings the wrong way or just whatever, that kind of thing. No, stop. (laughs) It's just all about like, what clout can I get by like showing that I get it, you know? You can dunk the best. Yeah. In order to get it, I feel like I've had to be talked to that way before. So like, I feel like everybody should just kind of remember that they had their own journey, you know? We're all on the journey. Yeah. Because even with that Fonda Lee thing, after we talked about it, Mm -hmm. a few days later, I was still seeing people like subtweet about it. I'm like, move on. Like, (laughs) it's like they came on and they're like, oh, no, I missed it. I got to get my tweet in. I was like, (laughs) it's been three. She tweeted that like three days ago. Can you let it go? But it literally was just like, like, I don't want to get involved in discourse right now. And they got pissed off. (laughs) Well, how about now? It's been three days. Come on. Yeah. I think it's almost like the opposite of the bystander effect. Like you're walking down the street IRL and you see like someone is hurt or someone's in trouble. And the natural psychological thing for a lot of people is just to be like, someone else is going to handle that. That's not my place. That's not my job. And then on Twitter, it's the opposite. It's like, if I don't do this. Everybody's piling on. (laughs) So I should too. It's my job. How can I not? (laughs) I see that a hundred thousand other people have already said this, but I've got to say it too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, and I feel like people, there's differences when it's like a pattern of behavior. Right. But like people are like, don't like to give people grace or like able to like, oh, dang, I fucked up another chance. It's different if it's like something with like Jay Kristoff, like he continually has people calling him out about his ap- cultural appropriation and how he portrays certain cultures in his books. And he just but keeps then if somebody doing does, <laughs> Yeah. He's an edgelord, quote unquote. Yeah, you just make like one mistake. And it also depends on who you are, obviously, not to be all. There is more there is more grace for, you know, like a white creator versus Mm -hmm. or especially like a white dude than a white. You know, there's layers, you know, to other people. And it's like, I'm I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's hard to I forgot there was an article and someone was like, the Internet doesn't let you grow yeah sometimes because people like to be like well you made that one mistake mm-hmm. and like but i'm sorry and yeah. people are bad at apologies <laughs> i've yeah. seen some really terrible notes app apologies <laughs> but yeah i it's a it's a place of course it and it is so case dependent like i think we all 
are in agreement on that. Like, I would never, ever want someone to hear this conversation and think, like, you could say something truly terrible and we're like, I mm-hmm. don't know, don't be mean. You know, like, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> but, like, I was telling Rachel and uh, I will Yeah, all I'm saying is that it's it's you, it needs to be proportional to how bad the thing is right. and how mm-hmm. powerful the person doing it is. Mm-hmm. No, this is, this is what I've always said to myself that I'm going to do. If I say something and someone criticizes me for it, if I think that they're right, I'm going to immediately apologize and say, I'll look into it. If people still keep coming at me the way that I see this happen, I'm just going to block immediately. Like, I don't care. (laughs) I feel like so many of these poor creators, they apologize. And yeah, if someone doesn't want to give them grace, okay, there's only so much you can do. Like, you don't need to let them keep attacking you for years and years, which literally happens. I will see people who will follow creators for years and say like, oh, you did something kind of dumb 10 years ago. Like, geez, can we move on? But then if you start blocking people or something, it's like you're trying to hide from this. Or- right. Yeah. <laughs> there are problems for either side, but I would just say blanket. Like, yeah. look, I'm on the Internet to have fun. I apologized. It's not fun right now. You're making it not fun. Okay, bye. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's like every person with, like, social anxiety's nightmare is literally someone is going to come and wake you up in the middle of the night and say, hey, remember that dumb thing you did 10 years ago? It is going to happen. Yeah. It's not a silly thing. That's fear. why I can't fall asleep. I'm like, oh, my God, that thing I said to that person seven years ago on Tuesday evening. <laughs> are they still thinking about it? <laughs> yes, they are still thinking about it. We have proof. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, do you, I mean, I can keep talking about Twitter cancellations forever, but <laughs> so <could I. laughs> it's a pretty long episode. I'm worried about, the- oh, I'm worried about Theo in terms of editing. <laughs> no, but thank you. I mean, honestly, just thank you so much for your time and talking with us. Yeah. No, I always enjoy, I've always feel weird, but like listening to the episode, I'm like, oh, how cool. I want to be their friend. Um, <laughs> I, I consider us friends. <laughs> but yeah, so always a pleasure. No, we would. We always want to make friends, especially in the pandemic. I feel like if you talk to someone once these days, you can be like, oh, yeah, this is my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm three times. We're besties. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, we've known each other for months. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to promote aside from your YouTube? You want to do your Instagram or anything? Either you or or Rachel can say it, but someone should just like say what it is for the listeners who don't know. I'll just do it. Yeah, if you don't mind. So if you're interested in watching my videos and seeing my cute co-host, Nigel, who is a French bulldog with a lot of sass, (laughs) my YouTube is Jess Owens. That's it. If you want to follow my Instagram, I do post on my stories a lot. It's said by Jess. So S-A-I-D. B-Y-J-E-S-S. And my Twitter is underscore said by Jess because somebody (laughs) had the audacity to have my handle. And if you uh, want to read more nonfiction books or, you know, start reading more nonfiction books, I do have a nonfiction book club. It's called the Book Community Read Book Club. So that's book and then communa. So (laughs) C-O-M-M-U-N-I-R-E-A-D, Book Community Read Book Club. We read nonfiction books only every other month. This month in November, we're reading Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Um, And there's a Discord where you can talk with people and we vote on the next book. So yay, team nonfiction. (laughs) That's it. Thank you. Yeah. And the stack of books that you posted for, I I don't know if it was just November nonfiction, but the stack of books you posted had a lot of like kind of more medical oriented titles, it looked like. And I was like, "Mm, love that. Love that stack. I don't think I've actually read any of them, but I thought they were all really interesting. So I definitely recommend if you guys like nonfiction to go check that out. Mm -hmm. Nice. 
I just started one today, medical apartheid, and I'm I'm angry already, but it's going to be a good read. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us for the sequel to our conversation with Jess, Jess 2. And I hope you had a good time. We had a great time talking with her about all sorts of things. Yeah. And we had a nice diversity of opinion in terms of Dune, I would say. <laughs> we really did. We definitely did. So next week, we're going to be finishing up our little mini, mini, mini series on The Little Prince. And then the week after that, in honor of No Nut November, we'll be reading The Lysistrata, the <laughs> famous Greek classic about women who withhold sex to stop a war. Now, I sent to Rachel yesterday because I saw trending on Twitter, there's a hashtag called Nonstop Nut November. <laughs> we will not be celebrating that. Lysistrata all the way. Gross. Okay. Well, anyway, the Lysistrata is very short. And if you want some cred, you should read it. And people will think you're so intellectual because it's a Greek play. But in reality, you're just celebrating the holiday with us. Yeah, you're just getting in the holiday spirit. Exactly. Yeah. So go ahead and do that. If you haven't finished reading The Little Prince, now's your chance. Hurry. Go ahead and do that before next week. All right. Hurry. This episode's going to come out in five minutes. Hurry. True. Okay. So anyway, if you'd like to email us to complain about br us bringing up No Nut November, our email is firethecanonpodcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram and a Twitter. We are at firethecanonpod. We've got a website, which is firethecanonpod.com. Yeah. If you would like to donate to us on Patreon, we would really, really love that. And, uh, Maybe someday we'll be able to buy a little more space in our Google Drive, if you do. So you can find us there at patreon.com slash firethecanon. We've got some nice little rewards for you. <laughs> anyway, uh, as always, canon is spelled C-A-N-O-N. We do have really wonderful stickers. That's that, right? I think that is it. That's that. Bye. Bye.